Welcome everyone to the Two Tongues Podcast. Consider this your invitation to join Kyle and Chris on a journey through our minds. Where we explore the questions that have fascinated us for as long as we can remember. Could anarchy actually work? Does God exist? And just how did the cosmos get here anyway? Let me be the Virgil to your Dante, the Sacagawea to your Lewis and Clark. Let's take the guided tour through the dark chambers of our unconscious, seeking answers to the most important and unsettled questions of our shared existence. Ready or not, here we go. Here we go. Uh, how's it going, man? This is, uh, this is gonna be an interesting podcast. We're Cut both. Music. We're, right. we're both. Oh, I was gonna talk through the music. Oh, you son of a bitch. Um, both dressed more nicely than we usually are for this podcast. What you got going on? Bluetooth. Oh, Bluetooth. What the fuck is going somebody on? Somebody wanted to talk about Johnny Depp's trial today. No, no, oh. that's that. That was I. Touch screens, you know. Do uh, just turn the volume a little bit, a little bit up on the Bluetooth in case you do that. Oh, I'm not even connected to that on Bluetooth. We're we're working out technical difficulties no. at the moment, um, but yeah, we're, we're both dressed a little bit more nicely than normal. Uh, I am just because I had clothes left over from vacation. Uh, I noticed that unpacked. So uh, this, you know, this dude looks like springtime. Got a collar on my shirt, which is interesting. It's like a beautiful color of teal and his shorts are pink I think yeah it's like salmon pink salmon yeah that's like the that's like the least gay way of wearing pink they're also like short short not like crazy oh, shorts they, it's not like, they, a, not, not like booty shorts are or they anything. Larry Bird shorts yeah exactly which is my go to for shorts anyway it's either basketball shorts which are gonna be below the knee yep. you know round about the knee below the knee um, or these they're so much more comfortable you say that, but I see people wearing them, and I think, fucking no. No, nah, man, I my, like them. My shorts need to be just a little bit above the knee when I sit down. You know what I mean? Like right now, they're like a couple inches above the knee when I sit down. Yeah. That's what I like. Well, that's. I would say that's where mine are okay. right now, well, too. That's fine. But I've uh, seen some unnaturally short shorts recently that guys think they can fucking wear. Yeah. Again. Tell you what, man, if I looked like uh, Tom Selleck... When he was a young man, I would wear short shorts too. That guy, that guy was handsome. If you had, if you had legs like Larry Bird, you'd wear short shorts. Did Larry Bird have nice legs? I assume he had long legs, like a probably long, like a model, like a runway model. Yeah, when I assume, well, I mean, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about nice legs on a man, but when I do, it's not necessarily long. It's more like dude, speak, tree trunkish, you know. Speaking of nice legs on a dude, I was at the I was at the bowling alley on Wednesday, and uh, with my my wife's in a league. I went up there and uh, there was in a bowling league. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Her and Linda and Whitney and uh, and Raina. So they're all, you know, they're called the Flamingals, and they wear these flamingo shirts. And they don't really, they're not like competitive. They're just going out there and having, having fun. Having fun, yeah. And it's pretty hilarious. Um, but anyway, I, I went there on Wednesday with them because my wife's buying me a bowling ball, which seems like a weird, like an impulse purchase for someone who does barely ever bowl. Ever. Trying to get you into it, man. Maybe. But there was this girl there. She was like a 20, 21-year-old, maybe at the at the most. And she was dressed like she was trying to get some, you know, like like most young people. And, uh, you know, she caught my attention. And then her big, giant boyfriend caught my attention. And he was like, 
probably like six four, and he was you know he he like a bat, we had a baby face and he was muscular but not like his upper body wasn't crazy but his lower body was ridiculous. He doesn't skip leg day, dude. This guy's this guy's legs were so thick. Thick as his Snickers, as uh, what's his face said. What is, uh, Who says that? I mean, lots of people. Joe but... Rogan's comedian, ex-fighter friend, Brendan Joe. Oh, fuck that guy. Thick as a Snickers. And uh, anyway, I just thought this guy must be able to leg press a thousand pounds. Yeah, you man. Know? And he's probably he he brings the power when he's thrusting into that young woman. He brings <laughs> he brings the absolute power. There's no way she's not quaking with every thrust. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, quaking. Interesting. I wonder if uh, having diesel legs. It helps bowling at all. Is there a benefit to mm. bowling? Uh, I, don't know. I don't know. You'd think it'd be mostly upper. Speaking of th- powerful thrusts, so I took I took your advice. Well, not your advice, but I took your I followed your example, and uh, I would out. say it's advice. Yeah, I would say it's advice from, from for our, everyone from our OK Coomer episode. Yeah, and I, uh, I I I knocked off the jerking off. It's been. The longest stretch for me now, um, since I was a, a kid, you know, yeah. the longest stretch of not doing it. And um, you asked me what I noticed, and um, you said you noticed like like women who are displaying sexuality. You know, you pick up on it, like a girl running down the street in her hot pants, or a girl with, with super cleavage showing. She's trying to get attention. That shit it just pops up on your radar more, and I can agree with you on that. But one thing I didn't expect, and I probably should have, we're walking around the grocery store, and I'm like sizing up every dude I see, like like I did when I was 18. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I can take him, I can take him. Ooh, I don't know if I can take him. And then I'm sitting there thinking to myself, how would I take him down because he's bigger than me? Yeah. And I'm having these thoughts that I had never ever had since I was a kid when my testosterone was raging. That's what I noticed. What do you think of that? I have not noticed that. Um, the like sizing people up. I mean, I kind of do that a little bit anyways though, so mm. maybe it just hasn't like stood out to me. It's gone it's kind of gone away from me. Like once like once you have kids and you've been married a while and that that Im- instinct or impulse yeah. to like tie that shit down and put a baby in a lady, once that goes away, uh so much of that aggression goes away. Mm-hmm. And I'm just easygoing, I'm less like st- anxiety, I'm less stressed out. And, but that shit's coming back a little bit, and I noticed it, and I'm, like, cracking up. Yeah. I'm reflecting. I'm looking at what I'm doing, and I'm thinking, what are you doing, man? Yeah. Because it's my body. It's not me. It's my body. I, uh, I've i So to touch on what you said I noticed, I particularly noticed it with Chelsea. Like, uh, just, like, the slightest glimpse of anything is I'm like, yeah. let's go. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but... Uh, another thing I notice is, and I don't know how, I don't know if you've noticed this at all, but the morning boners are way more like long lasting and intense. Like it's, I feel like a, a kid again. Yeah. So I'll, I have to say I did notice that, but m- this is a weird thing to talk about on the podcast. Uh, that's not, that's not something that like happens to me like it used to like every morning. It just doesn't. Yeah. And, um, but I had noticed that coming back. So that's probably a sign of good health. It's probably a sign I'm doing something right. Yeah. Uh, but the the more interesting part was uh, I got laid a couple times, um, and they were they were pretty awesome. So fuck yeah. Yeah, it was like um, everything that you thought that you, uh, that you outlined about being desensitized to that stuff and um, 
your brain kind of falls into a pattern of, of getting disinterested in it because of your, you know, your habit of going from one video to the next. Um, I didn't have, I didn't have that, you know, issue at all. It was, uh, super intense and super like fun and engaging. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I had a fucking blasty blast. And then because we had a Saturday to ourselves, you know, and then when it was bedtime, we, we stayed up kind of late last night and, uh, uh, had a little alcohol, and she came to bed. And it's like usually lights out, man. Usually it's like, you know, good luck. We're going to bed. Yeah. Last night, banged again, man. Hell yeah. Like you know, it was like eleven thirty or something. There's got to be something to that, right? Got to be. Got to be. I mean, I don't know. That seems. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, significant, you know. I think so, yeah. And that's good for... It is good. It's healthy. Yeah, especially for a married couple, you know? Like, that's one of the things you hear most is that, like, it's just not there anymore, you yeah. know? You're just not doing that kind of stuff. Because I was throwing that shit down the down the, the drain in the bathroom, and I should have been... Uh, yeah, man. Putting it in, you know? Yeah, I don't, I don't want to be too specific because I don't want to embarrass Chelsea or anything, but, like, I, we were on vacation, oh, and... I wanted to ask you about vacation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just, like... Uh, you know, you catch like she she's getting dressed or something, and I catch a glimpse of something, and it's just like fucking, you know, ready to go, ready to go. Um, and also, so how was vacation sex then, Kyle? It was not that great because my family was with yeah, us. You had to be so quiet. yeah, uh, that's you know, kind of hot. That's extra hot. Like, not quiet. to me. My family's in the other. No, nah, not to me. Oh man, not that doesn't really do anything for me. It just makes me paranoid. No, I doesn't. That being said, being paranoid that you know we might get heard and also in the past being paranoid that my boner is going to go away yeah um most of the time my boner would have gone away yeah. like for sure oh, it would yeah, have for sure. was not an issue at all that's awesome man yeah. that's really awesome and i really do think that that has to do with the no porn i think you're probably right has she noticed and has she said anything yeah for sure i mean we haven't you know we Things are not exactly, the circumstances with us are not exactly normal right now, so we haven't had as much opportunity to be doing that kind of stuff. Uh, so it was nice to have that opportunity, but yeah, she, she definitely noticed. Mm. I feel weird speaking <laughs> for her. That's what, you know. Let's call her and ask her. Yeah, she's um, at work or I would. So that is, uh, that's good, man. Um, I keep looking at this picture. I want to tell you about this picture. I've it's been All these yin-yangs. Yeah, isn't that weird? I've been... Sometimes I have ideas. I told you I think in images now, and so sometimes I have ideas and I just I just draw them. And this is an idea that I had. It so, says order mitosis. Yeah. What's that mean? Nah, I'm glad you asked. All right. So the pictures that we're looking at are hand hand drawn yin and yang symbols, and uh, if you guys can picture that yin and yang symbol, white on one side, black on the other, a little dot of black in the white, a little dot of white in the black, um, and then what I what I show is the white side getting free of the black side. Mm. And when that happens, the little white dot in the black side, it moves over t to the left and becomes, it, it recreates the mm. white side. So that's what happens in cell division. You know, when, yeah. that's why I called it mitosis. When the cells divide, it's like one, one half of the cells split, split off and they, and, they, and they replicate the proteins and what all that stuff happens. So that's what this is, is showing. It's the white side becoming free and then this white bit in the black, because now it's all black, moving over, growing, and becoming the white half so that it reforms the yin and the yang. Yeah. So the beginning, does, it looks just like the end, and the end just like the beginning. Does the same thing happen with the white that breaks off? Um, that is a great question, and I'd have to say yes. Yeah? Uh, I, hadn't, I hadn't thought about that until you just asked me. Yeah. But this was a way for me to understand 
something that's really difficult to understand, which is, so I've been, oh man, I didn't plan on getting in on this right now, but I've been reading this book right here called The Origin and History of Consciousness, Carl Jung's Pupil Neumann, and it's making me understand Jordan Peterson in a different way. Yeah. And I, and I didn't expect it, but Jordan Peterson raves about Neumann. Yeah. And so, you know, I probably should have expected that Neumann had a big influence on, on Peterson, but I like to understand shit the way I understand it, the way it's, it, it sinks into me, mm-hmm. and that's the kind of shit I talk about when I do solo podcasts. This is what I think. But sometimes you're not always right. Sometimes you have to be open to the idea that you got it wrong. And so reading Neumann is making me think that I understood Jordan Peterson wrong a little bit. And okay. it's, it's been enlightening, and it's like, it's this, it's this image. It's Jordan Peterson talks about chaos and order. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, they're the Ouroboros in the, in, the, in the in mythology in the beginning. They're the symbol of God that creates the universe. And um, I always had a hard time trying to understand where I fit into that. You know, because if everything comes from the Ouroboros, then that includes me. I'm part of it. So, what? How do I relate to the God? To God? How do I relate to the symbol? And so, according to Jordan Peterson, order is the being part. It's the part that comes out of the chaos. The chaos is just the potential, like we talk about the Terminator Two substance. And order comes out of that, maybe randomly. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. But that that order that comes out becomes matter and energy in the cosmos, and you and me. So I was trying to show how the order comes free of the chaos to become something on its own. And so this I, mitosis idea started to come clear to me that that's how that that's how it happens. It's that when I say I'm God. Like I like a, like I like to do. Yeah. What I mean is exactly what I always said, but I never understood it this way. I've always said that God is the order. Or is it, excuse me. God is the um, structure and the substance of being. It's what we're made of and where we come from all at once. Mm-hmm. And that's what we are. But that's hard to that's hard to wrap your brain around. What do you mean that the that the structure of being is the thing that we are? Yeah. And uh, this is how I understand that. I literally don't think that anyone will ever understand that until they just do. You know, like you have to, something has to happen where it just clicks and falls into place for you. Because if you are um, rationally trying to get your mind around that, it's not going to, it's not going to go that well. I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. Um, I I, I do, I do have some kind of confusion though, because you said that the order like separates off, you know, I, I just don't really understand how that works. Uh, if everything is kind of the same thing, um, you know, the, what we are and the, you know, uh, where we come from all at once. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't understand how anything separates off. See, that's a great question. And that's where I struggle. It's like a, it's like a rabbit hole of philosophy, which we probably can't get into, which I'm probably not able to intelligently do, but this has come up recently. It's like, there's this idea called, well, it's called idealism. And what it means is that there is no matter, everything is mind. And I sympathize with that. Yeah. When I had a mystic experience, I thought everything was consciousness. And I still believe that. So trying to understand how that separates, it's like that's the illusion part. You know, it's like it, it doesn't really separate, you know, because it's only one thing. But there's something there that needs to be explained. And Jordan Peterson tries when he says that that consciousness is the thing that separates chaos and order. It's that little squiggly line mm-hmm. in the middle of the yin-yang that separates one half from the, from the next. 
consciousness is the divine sun. It's the Christ figure in mythology. It's the part that can take chaos and turn it into order. And that's what you and I are. Yeah. So it's so there's a way in which, like Jordan Peterson would say, we exist on the line between chaos and order. In fact, that's where all existence is. You know, it's all on that little line in between chaos and order. That's where all the action happens. Everything else is sort of like nothing and like everything all at once, and there's sort of no difference. And mm-hmm. that's the idea of that's the idea of chaos. So I struggle with this. I'm not sure that order breaks free exactly because where it exists is still in the chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have this strange man. I did not expect to get into this. Huh? I had this strange. I have a video I can show you. I had this strange thing the other day where. Nobody was home, and I went, it was started to rain, and I went outside, and I opened up the garage door, and I put a folding chair down, and I sat there looking at the, at the lake, because I can see it from my front, and listening to the rain. And I didn't know that the kids had spilled bubble, bubble, you know, stuff on the, on the, on the uh, driveway, mm-hmm. um, liquid or whatever, and it was dried, so I couldn't tell. But when it started to rain, mm-hmm. bubbles started popping up on the driveway in this little pool of water. And when the rain would hit the, the pools, you could see ripples that came out. And then every now and then you would see a bubble pop up, but not necessarily where the ripples were. You know, like if a raindrop hit in one spot, a bubble would pop up in a totally different spot. You would think the, if the bubble was going to pop up somewhere, it would pop up where the raindrop dropped, but that's not what happened. Because I didn't know there was bubble liquid on the on the driveway. I was like, what is this miracle? This is life. <laughs> I was just sitting there watching this for a long time, and I, I thought... That image popped in my head that that the chaos we always talk about is a, a plane. It's like space. It's like you know space time. It's like a fabric, yeah. and the fabrics vibrate, you know, with with motion. So every time a drop would hit it, and you would see those um, circular rings, you know, radiate out through the puddle. Um, I imagine that was space time being vibrated, you know, in, in a certain pattern. And if you get into like really crazy uh, string theory and quantum physics, they say that's what everything is. That atoms and energy and everything are just certain vibrations of space-time. Mm-hmm. But then every time one of these bubbles would pop up in this random spot, I thought to myself, that's being. That's how it happens. The space-time is being vibrated and as a consequence, it's sort of a random thing. It's not, like I said, the, the bubble that... It's like the image of the bubble raising off the surface of the water, to me, was like seeing something from one dimension force itself into another dimension. And that's like being from non-being, order from chaos, something from nothing. And it, that's, that's what I'm trying to say, man. As hard as this sounds to listen to, I think in images now. And that's the kind of shit that I would sit there and just like rack my brain trying to understand. Yeah. What does this mean? Bubbles and, and you know, um, wave patterns and interference and, you know, anyway, that's uh, that's the hippie dip in me. All right. That's funny. I, I just imagining you like yeah, seeing that and like, uh, you know, imagining that you're watching life bubble out of the primordial ooze. Like yeah. what the fuck is happening? That's what it was, man. That's funny, man. I took a video of it. And then when my wife got home, I was all like enthusiastic telling her about this crazy thing I it's saw. It's like the kids spilled bubbles. Yeah, that's what she said. <laughs> that's so funny. She was like, let me just pull the mystic rug out from under you, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty funny. Um, you know how Jordan Peterson talks about like the chaotic feminine and like the more ordered masculine? Yeah, I've been getting into that, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. All right, that's interesting. Uh, do you think that's um, 
like a like a sexist thing. No, I think it. Gets a lot I think it makes perfect sense. <laughs> um, and I, I I think that if you think of it as sexist, you're an idiot who needs to think about it longer. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not. I don't think that this idea that's been around for a long, long, long time. Um, in any way means that women have to behave like that. But I think it does mean that they are more naturally inclined to behave that way. Um, but I just think that like the way that I've been thinking about it is, you know, surprise, surprise, it has to do with politics. Um, and it's that I think that the mainstream corporate establishment media is basically designed to prey on emotional women and weak men who behave like women. Um, so I <clears throat> I don't disagree with that. The language is going to piss so many fine. people off. I would say... I like that. See, I don't think that, like, you would... I don't think it's entirely fair to say I don't think you attach irrationality and emotional um, reactions to femininity, but that's kind of untrue. You do. You do attach it to that. But what I, what, I guess what I'm trying to say is... That exists as a part of our personality across genders. So man, men and women have both feminine and masculine characteristics in their personality, every single one of them. Mm -hmm. The emotional side, that, that, that knee-jerk reaction, that thing that makes you um, exposed to being manipulated politically and all that sort of thing like you're talking about, all you have to do is get someone emotional and they're going to you know, make a bad decision. That exists in all of us, uh, men and women alike. Uh, you know what I mean? Yep. And I think when you said women or these effeminate men, that's what you're pointing out. It's the it's the femininity principle within them that you're pointing to. Yeah, I think that it is more, you know, concentrated and prominent in women. I think that I do think you're right that men have. It's like the yin yang. Uh, you got a little white dot in the black part yeah. and the other way around. Um, I do think it's in there, but I think that historically men have been better at managing that. Um, and that is why, I, like I said, I think that establishment media, it's pretty much strictly designed to uh, manipulate that feminine aspect of, of, you know, men and women. But I think that it's more effective against men. Or, I'm sorry, women. Yeah, so I want to add one little thing to this that it's still not going to make... It's going to sound like gobbledygook to half the people listening, but I'll try. Um, when I was reading Neumann, he talks about this. He says that uh, that the masculine principle corresponds to consciousness, and the, and the feminine principle corresponds to unconsciousness. And everybody operates partly consciously and partly unconsciously. I don't think anybody can disagree with that. That's how our psyches are made. Um, so we all have that um, chaos part in us. And um, where was I going with this? Um, oh, the, the, the chaos part corresponds to the unconscious. And the unconscious corresponds to our instincts. So this is what Jung always says, that archetypes are images of, inst of instinctual forces. So you can imagine an animal. An animal is going to respond, it's going to act based upon its instincts, almost exclusively. That's how animals are. If they're hungry, they eat. If they're, you know, if they feel defensive, they fight. If they're tired, they sleep. 
that they only respond to their instincts. They don't. They almost, it's almost like they don't have a choice. You would say that an animal doesn't have free will because they're controlled by their instincts. But we came from those lower animals. Mm-hmm. We have the same thing built into us: the the instincts that that can dominate our conscious mind, that can dominate our um, ability to choose. And some people are better at controlling that than others, mm-hmm. right? People who are, I don't know, young and Neumann might say more conscious than unconscious are better able to control it. But the thing about the unconscious is it is way more powerful, you know? And women do, at least in our dreams and our myths, according to Jung, they represent the unconscious. So it's the it's the feminine part in you that is like that, that is um, attached to your instincts. It's more powerful by a long shot than you. You remember when I was trying to describe to you that mystic experience that I had where it was like a a big sh- a big black sheet pu- pu- uh, punctured with a bunch of holes, mm-hmm. and I could see the light coming through the holes, but it was like tearing through the holes, like it was going to rip apart my entire experience. Mm-hmm. That's the uh, that's the unconscious. That's how powerful it is. It's terrible, terrifying. It's the thing that we paint up in our myths and call, you know, the goddess Kali, you know, with human heads around her, wearing like a necklace around her neck. You know, we paint up in these gods that are terrible and powerful. That's the kind of shit that you understand if, you, if you've ever been gripped by your instincts. Like if you've ever been trying, like a teenager, trying to be faithful to your boyfriend or girlfriend, but your hormones are going, you know, a thousand miles an hour and you're in a position where you're sorely tempted, that power that's saying fucking cheat, that's, that's your instinct to procreate taking over. You know what I mean? When you're like struggling and you're failing that fight. Mm-hmm. I'm, I can think of other examples, but that one comes to my mind because, well, because I have a story about that when I was a teenager and I struggled and struggled with it. It's it's deep down that instinctual part, and that is that is associated with the with the feminine principle, and that's what's being acted on by your political manipulation, the instincts. That's the that's the connection. Okay. People have an instinct to protect themselves and their family. That's why every conservative uh, commentator goes on and says, you know, you better have guns, and the Russians are going to get us, and the Chinese are going to get us because they're playing on our instinct to protect ourselves and our children. The liberals are doing the same thing. They're saying, you know, um, you should feel bad. You should, you should, you know, you should get rid of guns. You should, yeah, right, right. So they're playing on our on our instincts, our instincts to protect, our instincts to, you know, take care of the sick or the needy, whatever it is. We have instincts for that, and those are the things that get played on. Yeah, I think, like, uh, with what's going on in the Ukraine. It's not, we've talked about this a bunch. It doesn't, I mean, it has an effect on us, but not in the way that the media wants to to say that it does. It has very little effect on us, what's happening in Ukraine. And the reason a lot of people are putting like the Ukraine flags in their Twitter handles and putting the Ukraine flag in their yards and getting all worked up over it is because they're being manipulated to, to, believe that like we need to protect these people we need to be involved we need to do something yep um but i mean think about i i don't have it in front of me i'm sure you could find a list of military conflicts around the world that have been more brutal than what's going on in ukraine have had a higher death toll Mm. over the last 50 years let's say military conflicts that have been 
as bad or worse than what's going on in the Ukraine. And nobody cares at all because it's not been in the media. Yeah, why You're not one? being told to care about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, say, I mean, honestly, I think the same thing goes with COVID. Absolutely. It was not scary. It, like, if you look at the facts, you know, the, the reality of what happened with COVID, it's not that scary. But you look at the media and wh- how they're telling you you need to react, and it's fucking terrifying. Yeah, absolutely, man. I was thinking of COVID, too, when you said that, because we noticed that it fell out of the news, so we haven't heard about any new variants. It's like the science just took a pause. We're just going to take a breather and catch your, catch your breath. And you know, uh, and because it's fallen out of the, the public consciousness, the fear is gone. I mean, I, not entirely. I saw, a, three, I saw a, a man, a woman, and a kid in a car the other day all wearing masks. It's uh, interesting. Um, I, you know, I saw a, you know a handful of people on vacation who are wearing masks too, but the the vast majority of people aren't. Um, but I do think that, like getting back to the yin and yang thing, I do think that, you know, again, I think that there's a, an easy way to interpret this as like sexist, but. I think that it, it can be either, you know, women can offer this to men too. And men, I obviously offer it to women. Um, but you need to like temper that, you know what I mean? Um, that's why like the, uh, what am I trying to say here? The union of man and woman is important, I think, because you, you, you temper that in the other person. 100%. You know, it's like, uh, if, like, uh, just to, to relate it to COVID, how many guys do you think there were who were like, uh, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but then because their significant other is fucking terrified, they are, like, more blue-pilled on it. They're like, oh, well, just wear the mask. We should probably get the... Yeah. When originally they would be like, no, I'm not I'm not doing yeah, any of this. absolutely. And I think that's wrong. I don't think that the guy should do that. I think that he should be like, look, it's not that... He needs to, like... Talk it through with her. Be yeah. like, look, it's not, it's nothing to be that worried about. I see what you mean. I see what you mean. So, so you mean that if, um, it doesn't have to be the woman here, but let's just say well, someone in the relationship takes that instinctual um, angle and, and says, I, well, I have to protect myself and my family, so I'm, I'm going to respond emotionally to that. And you, as the other side of her coin, let's say, has to say, well, let's think it through. Let's bring the logic in. Let's bring the order into the chaos. Let's, let's, let's merge this, this together and see if we can take the edge off of your uh, instinctual reactions. And, you know, so I, I think that's what you're saying, that if you can, if you can take the time to talk it out, the, the feminine side and the masculine side come together, and the result is something more reasonable than either one by itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's true. I think what what I re- resisted was you saying that you don't think the man should back down, and it's like there, when you have that talk, it might be that she's right, you know. It might be that the instinctual side I- is right, and you have to be willing sure. to see that also. Yeah, yeah, you definitely have to. You you have to analyze it, and really, you you can't just go off of. That, I mean, that's the same thing. You're an, you're you're being controlled by that initial instinctual feeling, you know. But if you have taken the time to analyze it, and you're like, I don't really think that there's anything to be worried about. I don't think that either side should back down from that. You know, you should be like, no, 
I've thought about it. I, this is not just a knee-jerk reaction. This yeah. is silly what yeah. we're doing. But but if COVID was the boogeyman we thought it was, she would have been right. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, but I mean, I think that that still falls into the category of like analyzing it. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, if it had been, I mean, you know what's going on with monkeypox right now. I mean, if you're if you're a gay dude, maybe you should be worried about monkeypox. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, but otherwise it just doesn't really seem like it's that much of a, you know, once you have taken in the data and assessed it, I just, it doesn't seem like that much to be worried about. And if somebody is worried about it, it's because it, it's an emotional reaction. You just said taking in the data and I have to tell you something that you might think is funny. Uh, so when you're, when you're with somebody for a long stretch of time, you start to become more alike in, in ways, and when you notice it, it's kind of funny. Mm -hmm. So especially if you've been married for a while, and Jessica and I will notice certain things. Like, like just as a stupid example, but there's, um, for some reason, Jessica and her dad are like extremely good guessers. So if you ask them to guess what, um, dis what like measurement this is, like Carl will just tell you, you know, it's like very accurate. Or whatever you know, you just ask ask them to guess about any about anything, and they're like surprisingly accurate, a surprising amount of the time. Well, that started happening to me. Like all of a sudden, I would be a good. I would start doing that, and me and Jessica would make this joke, or like uh, whatever, vice versa. We make this joke that it's sexually transmitted, right? And then she was she so she would call that data. So I was dumping the data in. Yeah, that's a that's a that's that's an allusion to my jizz. And that the swapping of fluids was actually swapping these these characteristics. So I was picking up her guessing ability through coitus, Kyle. Uh, and when you said, uh, what did you say, dropping in the data? I said something about data. I don't the, remember the, that's, what. That's what popped in my head. All right. Jizz. Dumping in jizz. Okay, that's an interesting thing to, to pop up. Yeah, sorry about that. But, but getting back to the point, to the point at hand. I, I also think that... You know, like I said with Ukraine, I think that uh, for a lot of people, the emotional response is we need to protect democracy, which is fucking baffling to me, yeah. but also like the human life over in Ukraine. We need to help these people. We need to protect these people. Yeah. Um, and th that's an instance of it, you know, that feminine, um, you know, the feminine instincts. Yeah, to protect. And, but it has to do with war, you know? Mm. And I think that the same like the same issues can present both feminine and masculine issues that you need that initial instinctual reaction that you need to overcome like um do, do you think war is a masculine issue i think that it can be both that's what i'm saying yeah um I, I actually think war and the instinct for war and the instinct for caring they're they're opposites poles yeah. of the same instinct yeah that's they're, what i'm getting at okay um so yeah, like the the stuff that's happening in Ukraine, a lot of the the heartstrings that are being pulled, it has to do with that protection aspect. Um, and I think that on the other side of that, you can have the the more masculine is we need to protect. You know, we need to uh, impose order. Mm, yeah. So uh, you know, it, it's not like yeah, it's not like it's a a bipolar thing where it's gonna be this or it's gonna be that on an issue. There are masculine and feminine tendencies or instincts to pretty much everything. I, I agree. Yeah, I agree. So there's a couple things that popped in my head when we were talking about masculine and feminine. Um, and you, you were saying how, you know, like if you're having a discussion with 
your fiance or something that you you have to have that you have to engage and ha- let the masculine and the feminine conf- have conflict and then and resolution and that you know that's going to temper both sides and, and all that that sounds that sounds right, right, good to me um, there's a uh, two, two things one of them is um, the I can't remember the name for it hermaphrodite something like that there's this um, um, story ancient Greek story about Adam and Eve the first human beings right not not Adam and Eve but the first human beings and in the Greek story they were male and female mm-hmm. and male and, and female. female yeah so the original human beings were both male and female and they were perfect yeah and then there was the a fissure and there was a fissure and we spend our entire lives trying to get back to that exactly right yeah, yeah. And I think that's related to something Jordan Peterson talks about in, in Disney stories. He says that in um, Snow White, the man meets Snow White in the beginning, and she's scared and runs away from him. They're singing a song in the beginning, and he w- comes in from the forest and starts singing with her, you know? And uh, that the the introduction of the masculine to the feminine, the introduction to the male and the female in the story, is the bringing of consciousness to one another. And if you think that women don't don't bring consciousness to men, um, Jordan Peterson made a great point. He said, "Think about how self-conscious puberty is. How self-conscious you are trying to win a woman as a man. Trying to win a woman makes you aware of all of your flaws mm-hmm. because you have to compete with other men. So it absolutely makes you self-conscious. And then there's the idea of Snow White being asleep and the prince kissing her and bringing her back to consciousness, right?" So when the man encounters the woman, he also brings her into consciousness. And in the story, he woke her up from a sleep with it with her kiss. Um, so there's something there about the woman and the man completing one another, the masculine and the feminine needing to be t- together. Yeah. Um, and I just think that the fact that you see it archetypically in Disney stories is just interesting. Yeah, I think uh, that is interesting. I also think that you need to be careful with Disney stories, man, because... You know, uh, uh, especially like Snow White, uh, Sleeping Beauty, things like that. Those are uh, Little Mermaid. Those are all based on stories that are older than the Disney stories, you know, the Disney movies that came out. Um, So I think that particularly probably in those old stories, there's a a lot of that kind of stuff. But I do think that Disney has a tendency to flatten some of that shit out. Mm -hmm. A lot of Disney movies are feminist propaganda like that is 100 percent true with progressive recent movies i wouldn't say no. that about snow white i wouldn't yeah say i don't that. know i i've not seen snow white honestly i don't that that is not a disney movie that i really watched when i was a kid yeah but you go to like beauty and the beast which yeah. is kind of from that same era maybe a little bit newer um it, it's it's garbage man yep um but i think you are your exit is coming you got some plans for today one second here. Yeah, sorry. Thank you, Fred. Thank you. Right, I'll see you. I'll come up in a minute. So what do you got going on today? Oh, we're taking the kids to the aquarium, and she just has a bunch uh, my oldest daughter had just put a bunch of Care Bear tattoos on her face and arms, and she wanted to show me. Oh, okay. Um, she's so adorable, man. She she loves me so much. It makes me feel completely un... Um, what's the word? Um... It makes me feel like I don't deserve it. Uh, unworthy. Okay. Like my daughter's love makes me feel unworthy, and and it's it's like a guilt that makes me feel like it makes it's a 
it makes me want to be worthy, right? It's sure. a drive. It pushes Absolutely. me on to be a better father. But it also is a guilt. It feels like I, the fact that she loves me so much and wants to be j- just like me, like, this is a weird example, but she showed me tattoos. She's smiling, showing me tattoos because I have tattoos, right? Mm-hmm. She like, oh, yeah. She, the kids like to eat cheese and they have cheese sticks, but the kids always want to eat cut off pieces of Colby off of a brick, not the cheese sticks, because they, 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 they see me eat it. They call it daddy cheese. Daddy I, cheese. I bring them a cheese stick like, no, 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 I want daddy cheese. That's how much they love me, man. They want to eat the fucking cheese I eat. Yeah. And it makes me feel unworthy. And that may be connected to this conversation about women and men making each other Yeah, I was conscious. thinking that while you were yeah. talking about it. Like, yeah. it doesn't have to be that... Like, the push of the feminine to, you know, um, like temper the masculine and the other way around it doesn't have to come just from your partner it's from all around absolutely yeah absolutely man it it might even be more powerful you know coming from your child i I don't know because i don't have kids but it is man yeah um while we're talking about disney movies there was something i wanted to bring up and i'm sorry for changing the subject i know i'm squeezing a lot in here but i'm gonna have to abandon you in like 10 minutes yep um we set up a projector I bought a projector because my work projector broke. I bought a new projector, um, and I wanted to test it out. So I took it outside, and I put a movie on, and I bought, like, a projector screen that pops up. It's not, It wasn't expensive. It's just a cheap, you know, PVC screen that popped up. I put it in the backyard, and we put on uh, a Disney movie last night. And when it got dark enough, it looked pretty good. It was fucking cool, man. Yep. We were sitting outside on the patio watching this movie, and uh, they got bored. They turned on Tarzan. And that was like a little bit past our time, Tarzan. Yeah, we, we were. It, we, I liked we, it. we were still kids, but it wasn't like you know. The soundtrack was great. <laughs> Phil Collins. Yeah, man. So uh, we're watching Tarzan, and there's a scene in the beginning of Tarzan. And I just have to say this: there's certain scenes in movies that stand out, and this one just like, I'll, I'll explain it to you. You tell me if you if you understand. There's a Tarzan grows up. Um, he's kind of rejected by the gorillas that he's living with, including the silverback, the dad figure. And uh, and then when when he grows like a montage, when he grows up, there's this tiger that breaks into the camp of the gorillas and attacks the gorillas. And the silverback, the father figure, he struggles with this cat, and the cat gets the better of the silverback. And just before the cat takes the kill, Tarzan shows up to save the dad. And because he's been rejected by the gorilla fam- family for being a human being, this is like his attempt to like his last attempt to fit in and he like risks his life and he has this crazy struggle with this cat but this is what happens the cat snarls right like right in the face of Tarzan Mm -hmm. and Tarzan looks the cat right in the face without blinking and snarls back and it was fucking awesome man I'm watching this Disney movie the hair standing up my arms you see that I'm watching this Disney movie and, and you see this image of man encountering this symbol of nature and nature snarls with all of her anger and and you know trembling and the human being has grown up he's matured and he looks nature right in the face and says i'm nature too bitch fuck you yeah snarls right back yeah god damn that gives me a boner man nice it's nice it's beautiful and poetic and uh there's a lesson to be learned in there that lesson is not to fight tigers though. that is a bad idea no don't do that no but it is to it is to to become formidable sure and to realize what you are like 
know thyself. Mm -hmm. If you know what you are, if you had any fucking idea what you really are, it would blow your fucking mind. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Part of knowing what you are is knowing that you shouldn't fight tigers. Yeah. Unless, unless the, unless the tiger is going to like eat your family and then you should probably fight that tiger. There's this, there's this Rick and Morty thing that pops in my head. It's like Rick is, you don't watch Rick and Morty, do you? Not really. Damn. All right, so Morty's this naive boy, and he's scared all the time and full of anxiety, and he's he can't he's nothing. His his grandpa is this wise sage old man, but he's also a mad scientist, yeah. and he can invent his way out of any situation. And it, it's you know that's the dynamic between the two. And I just imagine that if Rick were Tarzan, you know Rick could find a way to to kill that tiger. He would he would invent a suit, an Iron Man suit, yeah. and he would f he would chase that tiger into oblivion. And that's what I mean when I say know thyself. Yeah. A human being is something that can find a way to compete with anything. An asteroid coming towards the earth, a wild, you know, tiger, we we are capable of overcoming any of it. No limits. And that is fucking scary and encouraging you know and to and to recognize that that's what you are i, I mean oh god it's a dangerous thing because some people who recognize that they hold that power will just do terrible things with it yeah so i don't want to encourage everybody i also think <laughs> there's a danger in trying to be something that you're not and not supposed to be you know what i mean like trying to convince yourself that i can do it anything and anything is worth doing. Mm. Um, and I do think there's a danger in that. Anything, yeah. That's because that's more chaos. Because yeah. it's not directed, you know? Mm -hmm. um, other scenes of movies that stick in my uh, mind, and some of them are kind of similar to this. Do you remember um, the scene in Alexander? We talk, I think we talked about this before. There's a scene in Alexander where Alexander's marching his army against the Indian army. And the Indian army's marching towards him with elephants. Mm -hmm. Soldiers on, on the back of elephants. And he's coming from Macedon. He's got horses. And he's marching against elephants on horseback. And there's this scene where he gets up next to the elephant soldier and the elephant rears up on his hind legs. And you're just like, whoa. And, and then Alexander just bucks and rears up on his horse just to face that fucking seven times as large animal. It was so fucking awesome. Yeah. To see Alexander not afraid, you know? Yeah. Something about that speaks to me, and I got to figure out what that is. Then he dies of AIDS <laughs> because he's gay. Yeah, With he, Jared Leto. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think that that's uh, stuff like that is. You know, it happens a lot in movies a lot because it is powerful. You know, it like it's inspiring. Yeah. Um, so I don't you're not the only one, you know, something about that. Like. Boy, I, I'm gonna have to do some deep thinking about that. I mean, I could I could give it a try here, but it would be kind of embarrassing. So I'm not going to. Yeah. But I got to give that some thought. I'm going to send you a video of um, this guy named John Doyle and he it's a funny ass video um i mean he's serious about it uh but it's also like obviously supposed to be funny uh but it's this video of him arguing that gaston in beauty and the beast is actually the good guy oh. and it's good man like uh, on top of it being silly and funny uh which it is 
it's pretty good because like I said, it's blatant progressive feminist propaganda. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to I'd be interested I'll send to it to you. To that. Uh, what else do I got before I go? Because I only got a few more minutes. Um, I feel like there was another topic I wanted to bring up. Yeah. I can't remember now. I mean, if you... We could talk about that Matthew McConaughey thing. Oh, yeah. Why don't we? All right. So, George, so Matthew McConaughey uh, spoke, um, whatever, at the White House, um, mm-hmm. you know, to the nation about the Uvalde thing because he's from Uvalde and he, you know, it's a terrible tragedy and 100% I agree. And uh, why we co-opted a celebrity to come up and talk about it is is there's no way of understanding that other than manipulation yeah. from, from the White House. Yeah. Um, but he gets up there and says, we need, you know, X, Y, and Z. We need X, Y, and Z. What he was saying was that we need to disallow people to buy semi-automatic rifles until they're 21, among other things. And uh, We need red flag laws. We need background checks, which we already have right, countrywide. Right. I mean, um, yeah, I don't... You go ahead and you finish what you were well, saying. Well, well, J- Jordan Peterson, my you know uh, my 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 dude, um, he said on Twitter he shared a, a, a link to that video and so said that you know some he was speaking sense and I don't I don't agree that he was speaking sense. Yeah. So uh, I don't I was curious about what your I just don't take was he, he, Jordan Peterson some. Jordan Peterson said something to the effect of, don't you wish you could hear a politician speaking like this? And I do all the time. Like, I don't I I, I don't like to criticize Jordan Peterson because I love the guy, too. But I just don't understand what his point was on this. You hear politicians. Maybe Matthew McConaughey did it a little bit better because he's, you know, he's an actor. He's like a very good actor. Yeah. But he was acting up there. Yeah. Like, I mean, he uh, he went up there and. I think if you are going to go up there and talk about something like that, you should have something to say. And he didn't have anything new to bring to the table. No. He basically got up there and said, y'all should be sad because a bunch of kids died. Yeah, yeah no yeah. shit, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Everyone is sad. Just because everyone doesn't want to try to remedy the situation in the exact same way that Joe Biden told you before you got on stage to say, yep. doesn't mean that they're not sad about it, you fucking prick. Uh, like... I Matthew McConaughey, I, I feel like they're kind of setting it up for Matthew McConaughey to run for office, to oh, be yeah. honest oh, with yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. And it's been, it's not just this. It's been like the past, like, I don't know, two years. He put out a like a philosophy kind of book. He was on Peterson's podcast about it. Do you remember? Mm, sort of. Now that you bring it up. And it was, I mean, it wasn't like stupid. I mean, he, he'd said some good things, you know, yeah. uh, but it was just like nothing like groundbreaking. What was more, it may have come across as more genuine coming from McConaughey than from a politician. And maybe that's what Jordan Peterson was referring to. You want somebody whose heart is in it. You remember how like, um, like Jordan, he's a, he's a psych- psychologist. And you know, how when we were like listening in the old days to um, uh, Molyneux. Mm-hmm. And Molyneux would have a conversation with somebody who was talking about an emotional, traumatic experience. Anytime uh, somebody would laugh, you know. Yeah, he'd be like, stop laughing. It's yeah, not funny. Yeah, it's like, we got to take this seriously. You know, he, it, I thought that was, I thought it was kind of cruel. I, I never like, quite liked it, but I understand why he wanted them to take it seriously. Um, but anyway, it has, it has to do with the message coming across as genuine. 
and uh, maybe McConaughey did. That's some of the reason why Obama is perceived as a good president. Mm -hmm. Not because he was, in my mind, in any way, but yeah. he came across as more genuine. Yeah. And and it's and I think that's a level of manipulation. So I don't I don't put a lot of faith in it. So I think that's my best guess as to what Jordan was um, was pointing to. But I think that if the solutions that McConaughey was bringing to the table, like to your point, are exactly the same as what the establishment is, is trying to push, um, and those strategies have never worked in the past ever, and we already have some of them. It's like and we already have some of them. Yeah, and I, I, you know, my and my tweet about that was, you know, fine. You you say you can't get a semi-automatic rifle till you're 21. You can say that all day long. Is that going to stop a criminal from getting one and shooting you? Fucking no. Yeah. No. So you're going to put a bunch of laws and a bunch of restrictions on law-abiding citizens because laws do not affect the lawbreakers. It, you know. That that's that's my biggest conflict with it. I'm like, if McConaughey had something to bring to the table other than nonsense, yeah, then fine. But he didn't. Yeah, I, I can't, I couldn't stand any of that. Uh, the Matthew McConaughey speech, and I just don't see what Jordan Peterson found value in in it. I would I would like him to explain that because he's a smart guy, yeah. you know, and he's very well spoken most of the time. He's like everything is very well thought out. That wasn't. Um, and I would love to hear him clear up what he meant by that because yeah. I literally don't see any value in having some fucking celebrity get up there and, like, browbeat me about how I should be sad about dead kids. Yeah. Um, and then, Camille, show these people the, the shoes, the green fucking Converse. Give me a fucking break, man. I, that specific part of it, I you know, this is like... Alex Jones territory, but that seemed like bullshit to me. Mm. Those Converse looked brand fucking new. Mm. They also looked way too big to be worn by a 10-year-old Mexican girl. Oh, man. Um, th these, these kids are supposed to be so bloodied up that they're not recognizable, aside from their shoes. There was no blood on those shoes. Um, it just seemed like bullshit to me, yeah. man. It could be. could be. Let me ask you this question. If you were one of the parents, you know, and and... I mean, my heart, my heart goes out to them. I can't imagine. If you were one of those yeah. parents and you were listening to that McConaughey speech, can you imagine feeling at all comforted by that? I would feel like well, you're, what is you're, you're, using, you're using the tragedy that's a deeply personal and terrible thing for political means. Yep. Disgusting. Yeah, I just like, if he had suggested, like you said, and I said... We both said if he had suggested some kind of a, a reasonable solution or if he had brought any kind of original thought to the table, then it would be something different. But he didn't at all. He got up there and he, you know, listed off a bunch of facts about some of the kids who died, which is sad. Um, and he just like, we need to figure something out. We need to do something. I mean, nobody is really saying we shouldn't do anything, that there's not a problem, that it's not fucking sad when kids die. And this country just like, uh, I don't know, I, it's like Listen, celebrity man. worship, you know? Yeah, like, true. It's so a, a mental health problem is far more difficult to diagnose and far more difficult to deal with than writing a law about gun control. Yeah. And these people would rather would rather take the easy route, pretend to be to be doing something useful, and never actually do the work. Yeah. I don't... The, the person who shot up this school in Uvalde, I don't even think that any of the things that Matthew McConaughey proposed 
would have stopped it. I don't think so either. I don't think that he had, you know, this person had any kind of, you know, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong about that, uh, but it, at least officially in any kind of like legal interaction, I don't think. All right, now it's just me solo. I had to pause it there for a minute. Um, like I said earlier, I don't think I'm gonna be going a whole lot longer. Um, one of the only other things I wanted to talk about was this uh, six to three vote in the Supreme Court uh, that rules that border agents can stop, you know, stop people, make arrests without warrants uh, anywhere within 100 miles of the border. Uh, you can look at a map. Uh, I'm looking at it right now. It's uh, this band all around the country where border agents are now apparently allowed to like I said, pull people over, hassle people, stu- you know, do all kinds of shit without any kind of warrant or cause, um, you know, aside from whatever cause they decide, you know, in the moment that they have. Uh, and it just, it, I don't know, man. It, it's uh, extremely just it just doesn't seem good. I don't know. I don't know what the words I'm looking for right now. Um, but it just seems like ridiculously authoritarian. Like, uh, the area that I'm in, uh, is within 100 miles of the Canadian border. Uh, and you've got certain States like Florida, the entire state is inside of this, this band. Uh, there are other States up in the Northeast, like New Hampshire is completely within it. Um, yeah, you know, almost all of almost all of New York, Vermont, Boston, you know, just entire states where people have no recourse, no um it's just uh these border agents now have carte blanche to do whatever they want and it's you know, you think about why they have this and you know the administration under which it's coming uh i just i i can't help but think about the fact that trump wanted four billion dollars to build a wall um as border protection and they weren't willing to cough that up but they're willing to give border agents unlimited power to fuck with people just uh, i i i mean honestly i don't even have that much to say about it other than it's completely fucked up it's a, a basically a constitution free zone. Not that I, you know, I don't really put that much faith in the constitution anyways, but we as a country pretend like we do. And then we do things like this and completely nullify, you know, just the entire document basically. Um, so if you don't know about that, look into it. Uh, you're going to be, you know, disappointed. I assure you. If you care about the same things I do, I don't know. Um, but yeah, like Alaska, I mean, the center of a Ala- and the center of the country is good. You know, if you live in, um, if you live in Utah or Nevada or, you know, and a lot of the states in the center of the country, you, you, this is not something you have to worry about, but around the border, I mean, I think I saw someone say that it's like over, you know, almost a third of the population is in this area. So 
It's just uh, very concerning. Uh, not not really, I guess not really much of a surprise, though. Um, yeah, I, I do think it's crazy that Trump wanted $4 billion to build a wall. Um, and they, you know, they couldn't find that in the budget. But then we just sent 10 times that to Ukraine. Um, so that's, it's just all, it's all totally fucked up. Doesn't, none of it makes any sense. Um, it's very frustrating. But see here a lot of this stuff see i had notes to talk about but that was when i thought me and chris were going to be doing this podcast together the entire time so i'm not really sure how much of this is going to work um i had some thoughts about individualism that i definitely want to save to talk to chris about um just because you know i need need someone to play off of uh, because I, I just like I've got issues we've talked in the past few episodes about issues that I have with libertarian thought and libertarian action and individualism is a big you know it's a big priority in libertarian thought and I think that we have gone down you know I think it's taken us down a path where we value it maybe a little bit too much, but uh, that's something that I think Chris will push back on. So I, I'm going to save that for another episode. So basically that's it. That's, that's, I, I think I'm going to go ahead and call it an episode on that. Uh, thank you guys very much. Uh, check out the website, www.thetwotonguespodcast.com. Check out Chris on Twitter. That's at Two Tongues Pod. I am at Stony underscore Wolf on Twitter. Uh, reach out, say something to us. Let us know uh, what you think of the show. Disagree with us, whatever you got to do. Uh, happy to hear from all of you. Thank you very much and have a good week. Well, there you have it. That's one avenue explored but infinitely more still to go. I hope you enjoyed thinking along with us. I know, I know, it's not easy work. Thinking, it's hard and full of uncertainties, but I'm grateful for the company as we trek through this together. Here's to hoping that the juice is worth the squeeze. See what I did there? Let's find out together in the next episode.